0: All right. Wayada for the king. This was the PowerPoint, at least the first slide that I was going to use last week, and PowerPoint was giving me grief, so I thought, I want to use it again. So this is part two. Um, And without further ado, I want to invite um, Tessa up to read a passage. I've got it here, actually, Tessa, if you want to. This is actually the same one
1: that um, Daddy Pig read to you last week. Daddy Pig? Yeah. And while and he Elaine
0: was, is to say
1: that. <laughs> and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the Leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster but- flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, w- "Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than three hundred denarii and given to the poor." And they scolded her.
0: Such a, a such a beautiful passage. So I thought we'd go back go back to it, reflect on reflect on it, and see what Jesus is speaking to us uh, through this passage. But before, oh, well, first I want to start by telling you a story about um, one of my buddies, a really really good friend of mine. Like, he's one of my one of my closest friends. I've known him for as long as I can remember. And uh, and his name his name is Jimmy. My friend Jimmy, he likes to think about a lot of things, his, his mind wanders, He um, his mind wanders in different uh, sort of directions, and he often finds himself getting obsessed with different things. Focusing, Jimmy, he just ends up focusing on stuff that he can buy, and how if only he had that possession, then life would be so much better. Trade Me, for Jimmy, Trade Me has become uh, a, de- a frequent destination and sometimes Jimmy would find himself, he doesn't know how it happens, but his phone would be in his hand and be sort of like mindlessly scrolling through Trade Me, sometimes hunting for something in particular, but sometimes just looking for something that's just going to pop out at him and it's going to be the the gadget or the item to end all items. And he'll, he'll see something, uh, you know, a gadget or um, this this thing and he'll start dreaming about it. What would it be like to have the have that? It's gonna be so good to have that thing and it's gonna sound so good or it's gonna be the answer to all Jimmy's dreams. It's gonna be the add the gadget to end all gadgets, he'll think to himself. And once he gets it he won't need any more and and won't need any more gadgets. And so the anticipation builds, and he's going, oh, should I get it? Should I get it? And then eventually, it's by now, and the item's on its way, and the anticipation for when it's finally going to turn up at the door. Then finally it arrives after a few days. Jimmy opens it. He plugs it in, tests it out, has a play. It's awesome. Best gadget ever. And he plays with it for 15 minutes. It's still the best gadget ever. A week later, well, don't really think about it as much anymore. A month later, forgotten about that gadget, time to look for something else. Oh, Jimmy. Now, quite a few years ago, Jimmy was at university down in the South Island, and, um, and he was studying, he was doing his PhD, and, uh, and, and things were going pretty well. Jimmy thought things were great, like life was going pretty awesome. He got to go snowboarding every weekend. Saturday and Sunday, most nights of the week, he'd be hanging out with his mates or we going into town. He got to play in bands. It was a good life. It was a great life. Until one day his PhD supervisors called him into the office and they said, Jimmy, Jimmy, you're not making good progress on your PhD. You're not making good progress. We think you need to cut down on your extracurricular activities, they said. There's a bit of a but confronting. Anyway, there's Jimmy. I have another good friend and his name's Jesus. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> I really like Jesus. And, uh, and my friend Jimmy, he's friends with Jesus as well. And one day uh, they bumped into each other and it was actually at church. It was actually at church on a, on a Sunday night and it was during worship and everybody's singing and, and Jimmy and Jesus, they they were catching up. And Jesus said, he, Jesus is pretty direct And he says to Jimmy, he goes, Jimmy, you know how you keep going on Trade Me? You know how you keep buying all that stuff and how it feels good for a little bit, but then eventually you feel dissatisfied, and then so you just got to go and do it again, do it all over again. He goes, Jimmy, you know how you keep chasing good times? You keep chasing relationships and pleasure and escape and the respect of your friends. And then you wake up the next day feeling empty, and sad, and sometimes you feel pretty ashamed. And Jimmy knew exactly what Jesus meant. And Jesus said, You know, you know what? Underneath, underneath your desire for all those things that you're chasing, underneath that desire is a need for me. You're only gonna find it in me. Ultimately, those things they're never gonna satisfy you. You know it. In fact, they don't give to you. They steal from you. They don't set you free. They bind you up in chains. They entangle you. Jimmy, deep down, the need that you're trying to meet, deep down, that need is for me. You're not going to find fulfillment, meaning, freedom, and possessions, relationships, and experiences. But Jimmy, he goes, Jimmy, that's good news. This is good news. He goes, Jimmy, I'm all that and more. In me, you'll find freedom. In me, you'll find joy. In me, you'll find meaning and purpose. In me, you'll find hope. In me, you'll find the deepest, truest love ever. But you need to let go. You need to let go of all of these things that you're chasing and you need to hold on to me. You need to give me your attention and you need to give me your affection. And in this moment, like Jimmy had this moment of clarity, this moment of clarity amongst all the insanity And Jimmy realized it was all true. What Jesus said rang true, and he realized that beneath his desire for all these things, underneath that was a need that could only be fulfilled in Jesus, and he needed to let go. He needed to let go. He needed to let go and stop trying to hold on to all of these things all at once. Quit trying to hold on to that stuff as well as holding on to Jesus. He realized that it boiled down to this question, did he really believe that Jesus is God, the supreme Lord of the universe, the good and perfect King of kings, the eternal Alpha and the Omega, the one who saves us from death to life. And in this moment of clarity, Jimmy knew that he wanted to give his full attention to Jesus and to learn how to give all of his life to learn how to give all of his life to get what Jesus was talking about. That was Jimmy. In in the book of Matthew, uh, this is Matthew's story of Jesus, Matthew's gospel. It says... This is Matthew sixteen twenty four, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Oh, that's a tough line, isn't it? If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. Our culture tells us That if we have lots of money, if we have lots of friends, if we have a brilliant career, if we have a perfect relationship, if we have a family with cute children like my daughter Elena, (laughs) who almost... No, I was going to say something else. (laughs) (laughs) If you look beautiful, if you have the right clothes... The right hair. <laughs> Don't look at my hair, please. I need a haircut. <laughs> if you have the right diet, if you have all of these things ticked off, then guess what? You've made it. You've peaked. Like, we've gained life in all of its fullness. That's everything it has to offer. And then, and then, Then we look at the headlines, and, I mean, this week is just, it's nothing new. Look at the headlines this week. Um, Headline news, celebrities who have more than than everything we could dream of, more than anything. You know, Wayne said about, would it bring you great joy to have a million dollars? There's celebrities in the news that we read about, and they have hundreds of million dollars. They have everything the money, the lifestyle that we can only dream of, and it's not enough. And they end up chasing more and more, trying to get fulfillment in something else. And it ends up being, it's the same story over and over again. Drugs or or power over people or worse, exploitation of people or whatever it is. And, and in New Zealand, we're having a crisis in, in Moral and sometimes illegal ways, and like I say, it's not a new story. It's not a new story. It has happened time and time again. We have this. We have the story of our of our culture and all of its hopes and dreams. But then we see the the reality, and that if we get all of those things that we tell are the best, then it's. It's just not going to be enough. And so we try to hold on to our life for dear life. And then Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. You try to hang on to it, you'll lose it. And then the stunning promise, but if you give up your life for my sake, if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Another translation in the ESV, it says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Why would Jesus say this? How how can it be possible? How can it be possible? And I think it comes back it comes back to our meaning and it comes back to our purpose. It comes back to what we are created for. So we've got to go back. We've got to go back to the start. God created all things as I was praying before the service. We're not I believe. We're not a random coincidence. But God has purpose. He created all things. He created men and women. In Genesis 1 and 2, right at the beginning, we have the story of creation before it all went wrong. And God created man and woman. And their names were Adam and Eve. Man and woman, Adam and Eve. And they were given, it's quite amazing, they were given dominion over all the earth, everything in it. How amazing is that? It's all yours, guys. It's all yours. They were to reign as king and queen in relationship with God, the creator of the, uni- of the universe, of the earth. They were given authority over everything. But that authority came from God. Like there was, there was this word that we don't really like, hierarchy. We don't like it. We don't like it if there's somebody above us. It rubs us the wrong way. But Adam and Eve, they, they had everything, but they, they were to come under the authority of God. That was the hierarchy. God is God, supreme God of the universe. We are not God. That's the hierarchy. God is the creator. He made it all. He's the ultimate, he's the supreme, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he bestows authority on the man and the woman, on King Adam and Queen Eve. And then then they broke the order. They were like, no, we don't want to come under that hierarchy. Uh, They broke the order, not wanting to come under God. And so the order, which was a perfect order, a beautiful order, an order of, of freedom and joy and wholeness, but they broke it. So, what happens when you break order? You get disorder. Disorder is the opposite of order. Chaos. Sin enters the world because because the relationship of people, uh, the relationship of people with our Creator God, was broken. Um, meaning purpose life all flows from that relationship with God our creator and it's really important to recognize that it's not just any kind of relationship it's not it's not a kind of relationship that you have with your friend or your or your spouse or your dog no, the relationship with God, it's got to be the primary relationship, the main, the most important, the highest, the central relationship of our life. Otherwise, the broken order, is it's still broken. It's, it's not restored. And when Jesus says to us, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. He's pointing, to, he's pointing us to our original purpose and meaning to be a Margot Day, to be in the image of God, to be made in the image of God, in relationship with God. There's a, a, a verse in the Old Testament in, in Deuteronomy which says, oh, did I put this on the slides? Yes, I did. Hear, O capital vineyard, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. That would be a good one to memorize and actually um, remind yourself every morning before you do anything, before coffee. Remember uh, my friend Jimmy I'll tell you about? He, Jimmy, is a, Jimmy is a Christian, and, and he's on a journey. And he keeps discovering how much he reaches for the things of the world, he use sort of old-fashioned language, the things of the world, for quick gains, for short-term satisfaction. He reaches out for an, a, an escape, for escapism. He, he holds on to things for a sense of superficial security. He takes matters into his own hands instead of trusting in Jesus and reaching out to take the Lord's hand and come under the reign. And here's another word that we don't really like, rule of God. Because guess what? Reign and rule of the king means that the king has rules. Jimmy is quite a lot like me. You might have guessed. Yeah. Jimmy Jimmy's story is based on my story. I've pulled bits together. But really you're Jimmy. No. <laughs> J- Jimmy Jimmy's 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 the dead man. I discover my attention and my affections being drawn away and distracted by all kinds of things that are designed to attract my my attention. Trade me is designed to attract my attention. Doesn't mean I've got an excuse. Facebook, WhatsApp, getting what I th- what I want or think I need, holding on desperately for dear life to what I have, and then realizing. Then realizing every Sunday morning that Jesus offers something better, He oh, Jesus offers it all, <laughs> but that it involves a sacrifice, it involves letting go, it involves a willingness to be broken. <laughs> last week, I last week I said that worship worship is this act of showing God what He is worth to us. And in the in the passage that Tessa read at the start, the woman, she entered the room where Jesus and these others were having dinner, and she takes this flask of perfume. It says it's an alabaster flask, and if you remember from last week, it was just a white stone flask, and she breaks it, and she pours out that perfume over Jesus. It was worth, it says, 300 denarii, remember from last week, 300 denarii, it's like 300 days of work. And she breaks it, pouring it out over Jesus, demonstrating, that, demonstrating to her that to her Jesus is worth more than a jar of perfume. Remember that? <laughs> and then a few days later, later, uh, I, I talked about, last week I talked about how Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey uh, as, the, as the king, and people recognized him as the king. The story of the woman breaking the, the jar of perfume, pouring it over his head. That's in the middle of the week. Friday, come Friday, Jesus himself is broken. Jesus himself is broken in order to restore relationship with God with people. The relationship in order that was broken way back in the Garden of Eden. Jesus himself is literally broken when he was crucified and put to death on a wooden cross. His blood poured out like perfume from the, wooden, from the, wooden, from the woman's flask. But instead, his blood is poured out over us. <laughs> Jesus, showed, Jesus showed how much we are worth to him. More than his own life. Ah, man, isn't that amazing? Can you, can we really imagine that we are worth more than someone else's life? Let alone the king of the universe. But he died for us. And then Jesus rose from the dead, physically rose. Death. Was defeated by true eternal life. And 40 days later, Jesus ascended. And right now, Jesus is is seated in heaven at the right hand of God. Jesus is resurrected and alive forevermore. To be saved into true life, to be saved into meaning, purpose, fulfillment, eternal life, we have to let go of what we have. We have to let go of what we cling to. We have to let go of what we harness ourselves to and harness ourselves to Jesus instead. And he says to us, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. And we know it's true. If you try to hang on to it, we'll lose it. We could lose our jobs. could lose our houses. could lose our sanity. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake... For Jesus' sake, you'll save it. So, worship. What is worship? <laughs> worship, worship, is dying to self for Jesus. Je- uh, giving up our lives for Jesus. That's the only way for our lives to be saved. Worship has becomes like the salvation, our salvation moment. Just as Jesus died. For uh, died to self to his self, for life for us, and now Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, and now we we can follow in his footsteps, follow in the footsteps of Jesus, surrendering to him each step of the way, each step towards Jesus, letting go of something, surrendering something, stepping into freedom, each step of surrender. Each step of surrender towards Jesus is a step towards resurrected life in him. Each step of dying to ourself for the sake of Jesus is a step of resurrected life in him. Worship then, worship then, it becomes an enactment of our resurrection in Jesus. We participate in future. Today, yeah. When you, we all know that when when our heart stops beating, we die. But then, if we if if we've harnessed ourselves to Jesus, then we're, we're resu- we we we'll be resurrected in Him. Okay. So, if we let go of our life today, if we die to self today, then we are enacting we 're stepping into that future resurrection right now is that starting to make starting to make sense? You might want to go and ponder it for a bit. Worship is an enactment of our resurrection in jesus we 're stepping into the future today. A call to worship is then not simply a call to sing a song. Although songs songs can be very powerful moments, they become a call to worship as well. A call to worship is a call to lay our lives down. A call to worship is a call to life by laying down our lives. It's a call to absolute, unconditional surrender to God, demonstrating our trust in Him and our willingness to come under His rule and His reign. Like, we sing all these songs. Every week we sing them. You're worthy of it all. Ah, oh, worthy of it all. That means all of myself. Right? You're the king of kings. You're the creator of the universe. Ah, oh, that means you probably know what's going on a bit more than what I know what's going on. Um, you could think of the lyrics of the songs this morning. They've kind of gone from my mind at the moment. Adam and Eve were given everything given everything, but they didn't want to come under God. They didn't want to come under his rule and his reign. In worship, though, we, we give everything that we have to come under God's rule and reign and, and, and to enter into the order restored by Jesus. I'll say it again. In worship, Adam and Eve were given everything, but they didn't want to come under God. In worship, we give everything that we have to come under God. This is Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul. He puts it like this in in a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. So, my dear family. So, my dear family, this is my appeal to you by the mercies of God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Worship like this brings your mind into line with God's. What's more, don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you can work out what God's will is—what is good, acceptable, and complete. Worship involves our minds and our bodies. It's uh, all of it's an all of ourselves. We can't separate bits of ourselves where one bit involves our minds and our bodies. In worship, we sacrifice ourselves, including, including even what we think about, including our ways of thinking, to come into a line with God and go, well, your way of thinking is higher than mine, Lord. Uh, help I surrender whatever it is to come into a line with, thinking, you, with your thinking. Um, we surrender, we sacrifice what we pay attention to, what we give our affection to, what we even give our time to. Oh, think about this. You might walk into a church service on a Sunday morning and you see somebody singing songs, singing a song of worship, and it looks like from the outside that they're simply just singing a song. There's words up on the screen. There's a band playing. They're singing a song. It's just, they're just singing a song. But what's actually going on for this person, for this man or this woman, for this uh, adult or this child, what's actually going is is this person is laying themselves down in a moment of surrender and sacrifice to Jesus, humbly surrendering themselves to the king of the universe and in in a holy and intimate way that if we could see beneath the surface what was going on, then we would be too stunned for words. Like that woman bringing her flask of perfume and breaking it and pouring it out over Jesus. What would you say? What would you say? If we could see beneath the surface of what's going on, we would gasp and wonder. So, worship. <laughs> I'm gushing about worship, aren't I? Worship is simultaneously an incredible act of surrender and stepping into freedom. Surrender and freedom. These things go hand in hand. And worship, chains that bind us, uh, entanglements, bondage. These are broken as we choose to let go of them. We go, I'm letting go of those things, Lord. We choose to let go of them. And as these things fall away, we step into freedom. And we step into who we were born to be. And who we were born to be is fully alive in God. To be a mago day, to be made in the image of God, to be kings and queens with authority and domain. To be in a relationship with the supreme being on the universe. Dad had that prophecy at the end of worship. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. It's not just anybody's presence. It's not it's not the presence of the coolest person you know, it's the presence of God who's the creator of the universe and he says my presence will go with you my pre- my presence the lord's presence will go with you so worship then is sort of entering into life in Christ no wonder no wonder then the worship becomes a battlefield But even you know we worship We worship in song for like 40 minutes, only 40 minutes a week. And it becomes a battlefield. It becomes a battlefield because, where's my notes? It becomes a battlefield because the deceiver knows, the father of lies knows that if we really grasp what worship is all about, then we would be rushing to let go to let go of all of our stuff that we think is worthy of our attention in order to uh, bring our full attention and our affection to Jesus and to step into freedom, fully alive in Jesus. And so the deceivers are going, no, guys, no. Worship is about singing a song. Worship is its not even about singing a song. It's about singing a song that, that you like or you enjoy. And, and your experience of worship your experience of worship depends on how you feel about worship. And then, that's what the Father of Lies whispers to us. And it's not just to us, but, oh, should I say it, Lord? but to many churches in the West, where it's becoming about singing. And singing singing is great. I love music. I love singing and but <laughs> the deceiver is an expert in taking something that 's beautiful and then and then presenting it as something else, and that something else is just an imitation of what it is, and then our attention is drawn to the imitation rather than the real thing. The deceiver. The deceiver knows. If we really grasp what worship is all about, then we'll be rushing to let go, rushing to surrender ourselves, rushing to break off entanglements, give our full attention and affection to Jesus and step into freedom. Worship is all about Jesus. Bring in all of ourselves as an offering before him because he is worthy of it all. And we worship in song every every week. Every week we're going to be doing it here at C V. Every week we're going to be doing it. And I think one of the reasons that we need to do it every week is because during the week, as soon as we go out of here, and actually even maybe while we're here, our affection and our attention is already being drawn away to something else. We get, we get tempted. Jimmy gets tempted. <laughs> Tempted to take take back our lives back into our own hands, and not only that, but we discover that there's other ways that we're entangled, other ways that we've that we're entangled. And every Sunday morning, we have this we have this rhythm, right? We're gonna we're gonna ha- we have it every Sunday morning. We're gonna worship and song, and every Sunday morning we have this opportunity, just this opportunity to become unentangled and free. And honestly, when I think about it, one 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 moment of worship each week is not enough. <laughs> it's not enough because I know how badly I'm entangled, Lord. Oh, to grace how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord. I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. All right. When all is said and done, if we really understood the credible goodness of Jesus, then we would worship without a second thought. If we really understood the wonder of him, then we would give ourselves to him as he gave himself to us. If we really understood what he has done for us, rescued us from death to life, and realized that all of our deepest hopes and dreams are found in him, then worship becomes a way of life. True worship, as I've been talking about, true worship of God is the way to freedom. Purpose and fulfillment. It's freedom from entanglements of the world. It's purpose and who God has created us to be. And it's fulfillment and discovering Jesus. You're all I've ever hoped for. I've asked Anna to um, play some music. Is that all right, Anna? and um I think now is just a um, a good time to just you know reflect on um, what i 've been talking about and and hopefully reflect on the things that God has been revealing to you uh, this morning. Um, like last week, you might want to respond in some way sometimes like responding physically is a very, very powerful way of of stepping into um, Taking a step physically can be a powerful way of showing we want to step into what God has for us. So I'm going to move this, you know, let turn away. There's a cross over there with a heater to keep you warm. Um, Why don't you stand if you want to stand for? We'll stand for a moment. Worship is a moment of freedom. Worship. Letting go of what we have for the sake of Jesus. Freedom, joy, hope, peace, all of these good things. They they can be found as we surrender ourselves before him at the foot of the cross. So Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. And we come under your authority, your rule and your reign this morning. Lord Jesus, our King of Kings. Simple songs of worship can become profound and holy moments of intimacy with the one who loves us, so Holy Spirit, would you move in this place, Lord, as we uh, as we finish our time here this morning, Lord um can you move in our hearts or we or at least I really want to step into into the fullness of life in you. Would you reveal to, reveal to us the things that are holding us back from stepping into that life with you? Thank you for your grace. Thanks for your kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you that you reveal uh, stuff to us. Sometimes it can be challenging, but it's a gift because you're showing us how we can be, how we can step into fullness of life in you. So, Lord, would you come? Would you come now? Would you come in power now, Lord? Lord, I keep hearing this phrase that you're raising up a generation of people who are going to be so sold out for your name, Jesus, their lives so given over to you that they're going to change the world. And we want to be part of that generation, Lord, not holding on to our lives which are going to get lost, but holding on to your life, letting go of our lives for your sake, Lord Jesus. Bless your name. Amen.